Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is the other thing I do. My guest this week is Koganaka, the filmmaker who announced himself as a thoughtful, empathetic voice with his first feature, the tender drama Columbus, back in 2017. His new movie, After Yang, is an ambitious and even daring follow-up, a gentle, shattering sci-fi film about a family thrown out of balance when their android crashes, and I'm happy to report it's one of the best films of this new year. It's playing in theaters in the U.S. right now and opening in Canada this Friday, March 11th. Koganada picked Afterlife, the film that put Japanese writer-director Hirokazu Koreeda on the map in 1998. It's a tiny, beautiful drama about a handful of newly deceased people who find themselves tasked to make a movie of their favorite memory so that they may carry it with them for eternity. It's a lovely idea and a remarkable movie. And if you haven't seen it, please do that before you listen to this episode. Not that there are spoilers exactly, but it's so much better if you already carry the movie with you, as it were. One small note. This week's episode, I think, is our shortest ever. And you know what? I'm not apologizing for that. If all I could get was 15 minutes with Koganada, I was damn well going to take it. This is someone else's movie. You know, that that film... Uh... I've, I've revisited it so many times. Um, it has worked, you know, I think the first time I saw it, I was just so surprised by the, it, you know, that it's so speculative and fantastic, but also approached uh, in this real, almost documentary sense. And, you know, uh, at the time, I don't think I knew so much about Coriata. I'm a huge Coriata fan now and, and realized that he had, um, you know, started with docu- documentaries and just even the approach to that sort of world and the questions he asks about it. Um, just, you know, at the time I was sort of dumbfounded by it, honestly. I, I um, and then it made me watch Mavarossi, you know, as, as you do when you find a discover, uh, you discover a filmmaker that stops you and you're yeah. trying to make sense of what, why it's so moving. I've recently felt that with Hamaguchi and just have to, you know, like, what is he doing that is so mesmerizing to me and, and, and getting, you know, under my skin in a way that I so deeply, you know, that feels almost like a gift. And I had that moment with um, a, while, a while back with um, with uh, Corieda, and it, it started with this film. And I don't think I realized, you know, this was a great, you know, when I, this uh, was presented to me, I didn't, you know, it, it's funny because when I was making Afterlife and writing it, I wasn't, or after Yang, I wasn't thinking about Afterlife or or trying to, you know, parallel it, but you know, of course now it's like in, in dialogue, you know, I feel like it's in dialogue. And then, yeah. you know, there was that moment when I, when they were, t- we were talking about an alt title that I always loved the title, uh, the English title. Usually I love the original title, but the English title uh, for afterlife, I always loved it because I love the double meaning of after, you know, that after is both, uh, you know, a marker of time post life, but it's also uh, reflects the pursuit of something. Mm -hmm. And I always thought like, Oh God, that's so lovely because I, I think that film is also about the pursuit of life. Like what is, what is life after all? And, uh, and I felt, you know, and so, you know, cheekishly, you know, after Yang has that quality in, in me, you know, that is both um, after his life, but but Jake's pursuit of Yang. So there was definitely that element that I borrowed. But, um, you know, since knowing about your podcast, I, I was thinking about that. And I just think, you know, there's so much dialogue. I think that, of course, that film has been within me. And as I was writing after Yang, you know, I find myself, uh, you know, knowing that that 
that a lot of those questions that I asked about afterlife are in after Yang as well. Yeah. As soon as you picked it, it came together for me because I would not have having seen after Yang, I didn't make the connection. And then yeah. you chose it. And I thought, Oh, Oh, of course it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's the DNA. Um, we're interacting with the story moving forward and backward at the same time in yeah. much the same way. Although in, in afterlife, Coreda is doing it for all of his characters. Yeah. Even the ones we don't understand are yeah, performing yeah. functions. And, yeah. uh, and after Yang is, is much more, the, the, the memory aspect is coming from a single perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But they're both about, I mean, it's almost a, um, like it's almost a cliche to say this film is about grief because everything is supposed to be about grief right now. <laughs> yeah. Superhero movies are about grief. Children's yeah, cartoons yeah. are about grief, but both afterlife and after Yang are about grieving, which is mm. different. Yeah. And it really struck me this time mm. through mm. that and they both come to a place of, if not peace with it, yeah. acceptance. Mm. And the mm. way both films separately find a way to that acceptance and yeah. the way that Coreta makes it feel almost triumphant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the thing that has stuck with me. I saw it. I think I must've seen it at TIFF when it played there at a press screening. And oh, wow. I, all I remember uh, of my response initially is, oh, this doesn't look great. And then, because yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it didn't. Yeah. No, um, and then at the end, it didn't matter at all. Uh, right. And now like 20 odd years later, I think that the texture of the film you know, he shot the interviews on on sixteen millimeter, but the the bulk of the film was was um, was it DV or was it it was an HD cam? But it was some. Think, yeah, yeah, I think it was uh, an HD. Yeah, yeah, and it works like it works against the experience, the rapture that you're supposed to see in the concept. Yeah. But the way those two formats clash, and we get a sense of what's real and what isn't, and what's important and what isn't, is subtly woven through the entire film. And, and in After Yang, you're doing that with aspect ratio, yeah. you're just sort of yeah. quietly, casually playing with the frame in a way yeah. that becomes genuinely poetic towards the end. Mm. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I know that with, you know, we knew that there were going to be different kinds of, uh, temporal experiences in our film and we didn't want to use via even though it's a and again maybe this is also an influence with um uh, afterlife because the approach was to even though we knew it was a world of speculation and sci-fi that we wanted to keep everything very grounded and i wanted the language of cinema to be the effect and not um not adding like some you know graphic that would suggest that you're in yang's memory or some tint or something but that we yeah. would just change the aspect ratio and the lens you know every every rea uh, reality had a, a lens for it um and yeah and that would capture it in that way i mean there is human memory here there which is differentiated by the repetition of of of, of those scenes and mm -hmm. and the more elusiveness of of trying to uh, recollect um, memory in, in our film, but yeah, I love that. And, um, you know, I, I think afterlife is also uh, in many ways, a film about filmmaking too, and, and making the choices of what you put on, on a screen and what is, uh, you know, those value judgments and, and, um, and I love that he uses VHS cassettes, you know, as the sort of library of, of human history. So there is something so much about the material world of capturing life that, that exists in afterlife. Yeah.
And it's weird to see the film reverberate through new voices, other mm. filmmakers, and another generation. Yeah. Um, have you seen Nine Days? I haven't. It's on my list. And people have said that it, it has a conversation with Afterlife. So. It's remarkably fluent in that conversation mm. uh, in a way that tells you right off the top that he's seen it and loves it. And he's not mm. going to do the same thing. Oh, um, and it's really remarkable mm. um, that mm. all of a sudden, and obviously these projects are both After Yang and Nine Days were conceived before the pandemic and, and developed for years. That's just how it works. But they're arriving at the time when, I don't know if we need them the most, but I certainly do. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're yeah, reckoning yeah. with so much. And, and the other thing that really struck me when the Criterion edition of Afterlife came out and I got a chance to just, not just to rewatch the film, but to dig into the supplements and just live in it for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't know that he had originally, that, that Coretta had originally started putting it together to deal with, dementia to deal with the the occurrence mm. of dementia in, in his life oh wow i didn't know that that yeah, this is all new to me so that's incredible yeah yeah um he it's on wikipedia i'm assuming it's true um but yeah. he said that it was a childhood experience with his grandfather who suffered from a neurodegenerative disease in a time when this kind of syndrome was not yet well known mm. but it was clearly dementia he lost his memories of his family mm. and his and his world and mm. having just gone through something like that uh, in my own extended family and, and it's, it lands differently. It's the kind of film that evolves with you, mm. which I find absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, it's yeah. waiting for me to catch up in ways that I don't even comprehend. I love that. Yeah, no, it, I, and really the films that I uh, love and have stood the test of time in my own life have that quality. I'm just experiencing it now because, you know, my, my kids are now at a certain age and even like I loved Ozu from when I was younger and God, it has such a different texture and flavor and who you identify with. And, yeah. You know, it's it, it really, you know, those films can live uh, through time with you. Um, and certainly afterlife has been that way and things that used to befuddle me now make, you know, like resonate deeply with me and vice versa. You know, it's, it's, it's really, um, yeah, it, it's again, like a, like a gift, you know, it's a real gift when you find that kind of, uh, film. Yeah. And when did you find afterlife? What was your, when, at what point in your life did you first encounter yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, I think I had, um, you know, I think it was after I had sort of discovered Ozu and I was really starting to, uh, you know, I, I kind of came into cinema or international film through uh, Europe, like a lot of people do through sure. Truffaut and then Godard and and really engaging that whole moment. And and it was, you know, it, it again, it was that real discovery that film didn't have to always be, you know, presented in the way that, you know, Hollywood offers film and is not a, you know, a critique, uh, you know, of all sure. Hollywood films, only that, um, you know, that there was, could be a different pace and rhythm and, and a different, even uh, world of decision-making, why they were uh, offering up these worlds. And, and it really like fundamentally helped me think through uh, what it meant to be human, what it means to exist. But there was also something, I think some element of me that um, it, it resonated. And I lived most of my life negotiating like a European white culture, my, you know, studying like Western thought. So it was all sort of resonating. And then you know, when I started discovering Ozu and Asian cinema, it hit at some other level that I didn't even realize, you know, like almost felt like 
something that was both so unfamiliar and unfamiliar. And then I went down the rabbit hole of Asian cinema. And uh, yeah, and Coriata came pretty early in that because I think people were saying that he was like the next Ozu. And of course, if you watch his film, you know, Mabarossi is maybe as close as he gets. And I think he has said that he's more like uh, Naruse, but, um, but you know, it, you know, it, it, it's not as if he follows the formality of Ozu, but there is something I would say, oh, but it, it tastes like Ozu. You know, it's not maybe, but there is, I understand why, because you walk away and it stays with you in a way that has a lot of similarities. And and um, yeah, so it was during that real era of, of discovering, um, you know, uh, a whole world of cinema, but his stood out. And, you know, I even now he's probably my definitely, you know, top three favorite favorite contemporary filmmakers anytime he has a film I'm it's it's a celebration for me you know yeah I I'm always excited and I always it's it's weird I always forget from film to film and I think it's just because he changes up his his genres and plays with things in ways that I don't expect that Mm. you know when something like the third murder comes along um I'm just like oh really okay um (laughs) and it's never it's never a bad thing it's it's always this intriguing spark of curiosity this this sense that i'm going to see something new even if i recognize the genre and yeah. i when you mention ozu the comparison absolutely stands yeah for me yeah. i think of things like like father like son which is ap- which could completely mm-hmm. easily be an ozu film if it just mm-hmm. was slower and more formal but yeah, yeah. again yeah. Right? Yeah, he's yeah, interested in the way. in the conflicts but not in the style yeah yeah no the di- the dynamic and how he is trying to understand family you know and you see it in his latest film as well is is yeah is in that same sort of pursuit um no but i feel the same way you know when he did hannah the samurai film you know and kind of in that genre of like revenge uh samurai and then you watch it and you're like oh god this is such a coriata film you know it's <laughs> anti-revenge film this reluctant samurai and it's lovely in its own way and it, yeah i think every um i saw Airdol a while back you know that um, oh i always forget about Airdol. Yeah. yeah yeah you know and and you just see it in the language about what he really cares about no matter how speculative or or fantastic the the genre is he always is grounded in something that you can tell he's occupied with you know um and uh yeah and again you know it 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 um for me I, you know afterlife was a real start of it and i think like you i think i probably had a critique of it i think both the visual form of it and even dealing with a spec i think at the time i was very into like contemporary drama and anything that diverted from that i was just like you know and but you know it was again one of those films that as much as i thought you know i was trying to you know when you're younger too you're just a little bit more eager to uh critique or or create some you know uh you know some sort of distance but you know it it worked its way in me you know i as as you know uh i couldn't stop thinking about it i revisited and then you know you have to sometimes be honest with yourself like you have some theory but it uh but you know you undeniably love it and uh that's the thing that I've, you know, I think filmmaking itself has humbled me from my little theories that I had but also <laughs> life itself. You know, I'm, I'm just so glad that I, you know, that, you know, really trying to be honest with how you feel about a film, regardless of some idea, you know, that you have. And, uh, and it was a real breakthrough in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if it was Billy Wilder or Richard Lester, but somebody, um, it's a great quote from that era of somebody saying like, what does your film mean? And the response was just, it means I finished it. <laughs> right. I got it out the door. 
Yeah, yeah. No, that's really what your film theory becomes at when you start making films. It's all, you know, it's like it's hard some nowadays to even critique any film because it's such an accomplishment to 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 finish a film. You know, it's such a, you know, I understand that now at a very visceral level and and I know that you know, people had worked very hard for a film to be, you know, finished. So, yeah, yeah. My thanks to Coconata, whose beautiful, moving new film, After Yang, is in theaters in the U.S. right now and opening in Canada this Friday, March 11th. Thanks also to Kate Parks and Olivia Nasser at Elevation Pictures. They know what they did. You can find Coconata on Twitter, at Coconata, all one word, and you can find Afterlife on Blu-ray and DVD in that lovely Criterion edition I mentioned earlier. It's also streaming on the Criterion channel, along with most of the supplements. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I host the Now What podcast every Friday and write far too many words about movies and television. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. Our theme song is by the last year. If you like it, or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're there. Stay safe. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out, get your booster when you can. I'll see you next time.